Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. Okay, everybody, I am so pregnant. I'm 25 weeks pregnant. I just ate a cookie because I passed my glucose screening test. (laughs) which means it's I can binge now, right? That's what that means. And uh, I ate a cookie so that I would have energy uh, so I could have my spark back just momentarily for the next 30 minutes because I have Jordan Reed on the line with me. Jordan, welcome to Atomic Moms. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, so I can share with my listeners, and just in case you have mommy amnesia, I'm going to tell you a little bit about yourself. You you studied cognitive (laughs) neuroscience at Harvard. You came out to L.A. to be an actress, and you now run RamshackleGlam.com. You've got three books out, and you run an online shop called Glam Camp. You're not busy at all. Okay, so your new book published by Penguin Random House is The Big Fat Activity Book for Pregnant People. It includes coloring, mazes, tips, and lists. And the cover art is by Erin Williams, who, by the way, your partner, Erin Williams, she seems totally fascinating. Um, She's a writer, illustrator, and semi-professional ugly crafter living in New York. (laughs) And she's an oncology data specialist at Flatiron Health. So everybody, she's going to be our guest next week. So we'll hear more about her then. But first, I want to jump off by asking Jordan, how did the Big Fat Activity book for pregnant people come to be? You know, Aaron and I met, um, we both lived in this small town in Westchester and she actually was a reader of my site and came to a book signing and we just became really, really good friends. Wait, pause there. How do you go from being a reader of your site to showing up at a book signing to being friends? Like there wasn't a moment of like, is this single white female? Um, no, not with Aaron. I, what was interesting was I, I definitely meet readers all the time and you know, they're lovely. They're yeah. always lovely. I'm always excited to meet them. There's, oh, there was one weird experience, but I think the girl was drunk. So, <laughs> so we can just forget about that one. Um, but Aaron just very quickly, I think we just recognized something in each other that we had both been really looking for in a friend. And it was just this like willingness to be wide open and very specifically about parenting and pregnancy. And neither of us had any interest in filtering at all about this stuff. And I think that was something we were both really looking for. Um, And with the book, I mean, we just, so I'd written a couple of books already and I I write every day about um, me and that's fine, but I'm (laughs) at a certain point, you just, you know, you want to write about something other than your belly button. So um, she and I had started Glam Camp, which is the e-commerce site that we that we both own. And um, she wrote a hysterical mini book about um, it was coloring for for pregnant people, and that sort of spun off into this big fat activity book for pregnant people, which I kind of think is the funniest book ever. And I know I'm biased. No, it totally is. It, and speaking of the coloring, there's one page when I opened it up. I laughed so hard, I almost started peeing, which, by the way, everybody, I know you're concerned. I did get, you know, like your readers, my listeners are incredible, incredible people, and I love uh, interacting with them um, online, and, and when I've had the opportunity to meet them in person, it's always awesome. No no stalkers. Um, but it's – because also, like, the world we're in, it feels pretty good. You're not getting, like, strange right. people. Right. Like, I'm not like- – 
writing murder mysteries and right, someone wants exactly. to come and act it, right, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm writing about like being mom so, and like wearing cute clothing, yeah. <laughs> and so I had a listener recently reach out because she was like, Ellie, I really think you need some pelvic floor physical therapy because I've been talking about how I cough and then uh-huh. I pee. <laughs> so I almost peed reading this one page of your book um, because it is. it just says, a kitten for you to color while you sit around constipated. And it was the funniest thing to open up. And it was such a surprise. And it just reminded me of my entire first trimester. And I was like, oh, I wish I had this my first trimester so I could have colored that kitten. It would make it would make it so much better, the experience. I mean, you know, Uh, my favorite coloring page is Sexy Date Night, um, which shows a woman face planted on the bed with a pizza box next to her, (laughs) which that's pretty accurate in my life right now. I've got two kids, so that's. That's hot. If my husband could just deposit a pizza next to me and leave, that would be perfect. Yeah. When did you decide to make that leap into motherhood? I just said motherhood with such trepidation. I have a parenting podcast. What motherhood? I was just like, oh, God, I'm doing it again in July. Oh, it's so much easier the second time. And I know everyone says it's harder. I don't think it's harder because you basically ignore them. You know, the first one, you're all worried. The second one, you're like, you're probably fine. And I'm dealing with your older sibling. So, right. So, <laughs> so how did you make, how did you decide to become a mom? Like, was there a moment where you're like, okay, I'm in, I'm in it. I'm ready to do it. No. Was it a sexy night? Uh-huh. What, what was the yeah. impetus? No. I think, um, so we, when we decided to become parents, we were in no way, shape or form, um, people who were prepared to be parents. <laughs> you were, <laughs> I think I was on unemployment. Um, I had just started Ramshackle Glam maybe a few months earlier, and it and it was starting to turn a profit, but it certainly wasn't um, really a business, so to speak, yet. Um, my husband was at this job that he hated, and we were living in this floor, fourth floor walk up in New York City, and there was like vomit on the steps, and and there was no room for the baby to sleep in, and like we put the crib in the hallway, and there was this like huge hot like heat pipe went up next to the crib. It was terrifying. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. There's a hole in the floor. And in order to get it fixed, we had to get this like terrifying superintendent dude who lived in the basement to come into our house. So we didn't get it fixed. Um, and I think what I realized, <laughs> this sounds like a great idea, huh? Um, but- I love that you have a lifestyle blog and it's like so glossy and beautiful. <laughs> and then I like hearing about the early days. Oh, it's evolved. It's evolved. Um, that was the more ramshackle days. (laughs) Um, but what happened was we were like, gosh, we just, we want a baby. We want, we want to become parents. And I always say to people when they ask me, you know, how do you know if it's time? I'm like, it's never time. It's just never time. Like we were, we were clearly, we felt like children at the time, but as it turned out, we were we were like parents waiting to happen. And within a few months of welcoming our son, I had a, I was shooting my first show called Jordan in the house. And my husband um, actually ended up quitting that horrible job. And he went off to business school and, and it's like, you just, you figure it out. A baby is, they become a part of the life that you bring them into. You don't have to have everything perfectly set up in order to, to, you know, expand your family. Well, since you're an East coast transplant, uh, who's now living on the West coast, Um, And just because I just really, really would like to lean into stereotypes for a second, I'm wondering if you could share with us what you would consider the biggest differences between New York parenting and, uh, you know, 
like Northern California parenting? I mean, in my experience, it is so much more chilled out here. I mean, on the East Coast, it's like you're you just found out you just peed on the stick and all of a sudden you have to do preschool applications, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's 50,000 activities. And here there's like a hill across the street. And so usually what we do (laughs) is go to the hill and, 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 you know, it's so sweet. And I but it's I don't know if that's just, you know, my friend group that I've fallen into here. It's really different, though. It is it. Everyone has tattoos, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you live so, in Brooklyn at all? I didn't. I didn't live in Brooklyn. I, I grew up in Manhattan in Hell's Kitchen. So it's really looks like a little closer to Brooklyn. What was like, it like growing up in Hell's Kitchen? It was interesting. I mean, it was the 80s. Now it's this super cool area and everyone's all, you know, it's like cute boutiques and cute restaurants. But in the 80s, it was it was bad. So like other kids wouldn't weren't allowed to come to my birthday parties because it was like the rough part of town. What what did your parents do for a living? My dad was a consultant and my mom, um, and he ran a motorcycle company and my mom's a lawyer. They weren't like, you know, Lower East Side artists. They, but they did come from that world. Is your father's motorcycle company part of why uh, you seem to have a real affection for tattoos? Oh, <laughs> I think the tattoo thing is all me. I was the first in my family to get tattoos. And then shortly after, my dad copied me and then my mom copied me and then my <laughs> And copy me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, better with body modification. Well, I don't have any tattoos yet. And right now I'm happy I don't have one with this pregnancy because I did have a belly button piercing when I was 16. Uh, and that hole, like my husband laughs about it every day when he sees my belly in the shower because it's like this big hole. Um, oh, so I don't no. know if tattoos like on your side, do they stretch? Um. Ta- yes. Yeah. I fortunately, the only one I have on my side, I got very recently post second child. So I'll let you know if we decide to have a third. Gotcha. But my others are very fortunately located on like my arms and the small of my back, which is unfortunate in and of itself, but fortunate for stretch marks. So we share something in common. We were both actors for 10 years and uh, Mm -hmm. I'm a more recent recovering actor. Uh, I got burned so bad once about six years ago. Um, that I could never really fully get my head back in the game. Like it was almost like uh, a, a PTSD experience. You know, it's so funny. It's I'm I have such a big mouth, and it's like the one thing that's still so raw that you know. In a few years, I'll share. Um, it's yeah. just like one of those. It your story reminded me of it, though. Um, and so I'm wondering, since you have publicly shared this, um, I'm wondering if you can give us sort of like the Cliff's Notes version of what you sure. describe in your bio as. Your truly spectacular career implosion. It was. And you know what? Like you said, it took it took years for me to be okay talking about it. Now I'm not just okay talking about it. I'm like, this I think it's really interesting. And I it think is. I think it's it, it's taught me these incredible lessons that I'm so excited to teach my children. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a year, I think it was eight years before I was like, I can talk about this now. Okay, good. In two years I'll come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give me a call. Well, I'll go over it. Um, so what ended up happening to my acting career was that um, when I moved to California, I had a boyfriend uh, named Rob McElhenney, and he and I had these friends, and they were named Glenn Howerton and Charlie Day, and then we had these other friends, and we ended up creating the pilot for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which was originally called It's Always Sunny on TV, and we filmed it 
in Glenn's apartment and in my apartment. And, you know, we bought the tapes for like 50 bucks and like I held a boom when I wasn't on camera and it was cool. And it was a really exciting experience because I think we could all tell it was good. And we were all just really broke and really, really living that like hard, not that being an actor is hard, but living that lifestyle is very hard because you're constantly being disappointed every day. Yeah. You don't get the, you don't get. The and what year so, was this? This was 2003 to four. So yeah, I, I also want to emphasize for our listeners that this is before everybody was doing everything themselves. You guys were yeah. the, you know, we were, this is whenever as an actor, like, this is the example, the shining example that has been given still for the past 10 years of like, this is how you go make your own thing and make it happen. Yeah. You guys were the ones to do it. Exactly. Yeah, we were. And, 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 you know, we were bored. and Rob and we would just sit there, Rob and I would like make little videos in his um, apartment. And then he wrote this script and we all sort of improv it out and we were like, let's just shoot it. Let's just shoot it. And I think Rob like taught himself how to edit. I, I don't, I wasn't part of the editing process, but we like borrowed equipment and I bought the tapes and, and I, you know, my apartment was the least disgusting one. So that's why we filmed <laughs> there and we just shot it and no one at the time did that, I guess. And so then it, and then like FX bought it and then they were like, here's a couple hundred thousand dollars to make an actual pilot. And we were just beyond floored, obviously. Um, it, it just was like, it was crazy. Like all of a sudden we had, I had a trailer and a makeup artist and I was like, what is this? Like we're, we're used to being, you know, like in Glenn's, like sitting on Glenn's couch. Um, and then what happened was we shot the pilot and over the course of shooting the pilot, my relationship with Rob, which has been, um, we were together since I was 17 and we took a break for a couple of years when I was in college and then we got back together and it was just unraveling. It just wasn't, it wasn't good and it wasn't going well. And then, um, we had a, a conference in the four of us in the trailer in one of our trailers. And we said, all right, so if FX does pick up this pilot, what if they pick up some of us, but not all of us. And I think it was Glenn said, I'd be safe because I'm the only girl, but he was very worried. And we made a pact that they take all of us or they take none of us. And then I broke up with Rob and I got fired from the show. A which truly was, spectacular career. I'm it was sure. spectacular. And it was like my agent fired me. My management fired me. Um, what was their I, reason? I, just This has nothing to do with parenting. I'm just so curious what their excuse was for firing you. Um, my manager fired me because they had only taken me on because I was about to be the star of a show. Yep. Got so it. that they, they were a new manager. My agent had been my agent since I was 12, 12. And she, it was just like, I didn't make the money that year. And they drew a line through their client list and people who made less than the line got fired. Oh yeah. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the reason why I'm just like digging all this up um, besides wanting to feel better about myself and my own angst in this insane, terrible town, um, is that one of your mantras seems to be, uh, and you've written this phrase, it was a Huffington Post blog uh, interview. Anyway, you wrote, your story is allowed to evolve. And that yeah. is such a long-running theme on this podcast. And I would love to chat for a moment about, like, why do you think we're so afraid of quitting why are we afraid of quitting the path we've set up for ourselves? 
I mean, personally, for me, I, I was an actress since I was 12. So to then be 20, you know, six, be granted, I had a you know degree from a fancy university, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you're actually qualified to do anything. Um, and to all of a sudden switch gears felt like admitting this enormous failure, like everything that came before, um, it, it was for nothing. It was a waste. It was a waste of time. It was a waste mm-hmm. of energy. All those auditions, just a waste. And they're not, they're not, it's been unbelievable to, to go through the, the experience of just being like, yes, yes to this, yes to that. Let me try this. Let me try that. Um, and what's it shown me is that if you just if you put in the work, if you say yes, and then you do the thing that you said you would do, your past experiences, it, it all makes sense. And I know that sounds sort of, you know, sort of spiritual, dizzy, whatever, but it, it's true. I think that I would not change one thing about my life right now. Mm-hmm. I would not want to be on the show. And I say that with total honesty. I'm so much more excited about the direction that things have taken for me since then. What I find really exciting is this idea of like, what are our skills? What makes us really excited and jazzed? And then like, where can you find other ways to apply those skills? So for me, the podcast became this great uh, funneling of everything that I had loved about acting. I actually got so much more out of the podcast from the, about being able to connect with other people, sharing other people's stories, um, talking about stuff that other people don't talk about. Um, yeah. You know, all of these uh, p- creating something, just like putting something out there, letting people know that they're not alone. Like all of these things that drove me to be an actor, you know, I actually found a different container for it that is w- much healthier for me, <laughs> at least at this point in my life. And, um, yeah. and I wish – the one thing I wish I had known when I came out here, because I would turn down other opportunities. Uh, for example, I had a lot of opportunities in documentaries, and I would be like, no, no, because of acting. And it's so funny because now I've, right. the documentary thing totally feeds into the podcast as well. Um, but I wish I could have known that, like, I'm not a failure if I end up – if another path presents itself. Um and it doesn't mean that I wasn't good enough. And luck has a lot to do with it. But to keep an open mind because I think a lot of us are so afraid of raising our children to be quitters. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like you got to stick with it. Um, and, you know, that's such a big deal these days. Is you stick with it. Stick with it. You know, eventually you'll make it. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. Um, or as a mother, I can – show my child that like we can celebrate adaptability. And I feel like that's a missing piece right now in parenting. It is looking at how many, like what, what did you like about acting? You liked creating something. You liked connecting with people. Maybe you like that more than you like looking at a script and then, you know, being on a soundstage. Yep. I hated saying other people's lines. Me too. The second, that's what writing books feels like. I'm like, I just get to just say the thing I want to say. And I don't have to say, I like Pepsi. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. There's that too. And so because we're both in such a, like sharing ourselves in such a public way, I'm wondering if we could also talk about commenters because it's really just about the critical thoughts in our own head. 
you know, last week I did an episode uh, with a girlfriend who survived cancer during pregnancy. And uh, I everyone should listen to it. And I'm, I made a joke about Prozac and then I cut it later because I was afraid that I would offend somebody. Um, and then I was tossing and turning in the middle of the night about it and my husband, who's a comedy writer – he was like, well, why don't you just have a podcast called Unoffensive, safe for everyone, listened to by no one? And I was like, that's true. I mean, so where like, where do you draw the line and what you write and share? And like, how do you open yourself up to the criticism? Because I know you wrote in an essay for Medium about, you know, the intense anxiety you felt after getting slammed by Amazon reviewers with your first book. Like, mm-hmm. how do you keep going even when, like, people are commenting about, you know, your husband and your kids. Oh, God. And your you life. Know, my favorite topics because when I first started doing this blogging thing, which is you put yourself out there, obviously, it was so hard. I read everything. I read every nasty comment on every forum. I, like, I couldn't stop. It was like this addiction to finding out how much people could hate me. <laughs> And I mean, it was a lot, like they really hated me. And, um, and the Amazon thing that you mentioned, that was where it sort of came to a head for me. I was pregnant. I was uh, like six months pregnant and my second book came out and, oh no, it was my first book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I was I, right. I was, I can't remember what year anything happened anymore. This is mommy. Oh, no, I can't it was either. My first book. And a website that um, writes about, it's called get, uh, get off my internet. And they write about bloggers and they hate bloggers and bloggers are terrible. And they sort of launched this like attack against um, my book where they were like, Oh, she is having negative reviews taken down, which I have, I don't have like Amazon CEO guys number in my pocket, but anyway. Um, And so they just like posted a million terrible reviews and liked each other's reviews. And it was like, she's like honey boo boo. And she's, I have no idea. And it what? was so devastating, though, because it was my first book. It was the thing I'd always wanted to do since I was four years old. And to have it just get, I mean, it was de- like I couldn't sleep for days. I was pregnant. My husband was like, you have to eat. So, like, I, it was horrible. And I swear to you, coming out of that experience, I was like, oh, it's not about the book. It has nothing to do with the book. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It's about people needing something in their own lives. And it's not saying like they're all miserable, angry haters. It's saying they are doing something for themselves that happens to be, I think, a negative, a poor choice, a negative choice, but it has nothing to do with you. And your husband is completely right. If you, if you don't offend anyone, God, how boring are you? Yeah. You know? I know. I know, and but I'm just like so But I get it. <sighs> I get it. I mean, I, I have gotten a lot uh bolder, I guess, with the things I'm willing to say over time because I seriously don't care. No, I mean that must be so freeing. I think my problem right now is that my my brain um I'm still so self critical that the problem is it just ends up turning into ammunition. There's something about the internet where it's just writing and that you can sort of like make up a whole story yourself about who this person is that makes it feel so much worse. It like comes into your home and it's like 11 people in your bed there. Totally. I mean, have you ever tried – so say you say something that 
on in retrospect, you say something that offends people and then you go back to it and you say, I don't actually think it was that offensive. Or you could go to it and say, oh, ooh, I made a mistake. Is that something you would be comfortable, I guess, engaging with? Like yes. engaging with the sense of, I, I, okay, I made this mistake. I said it wrong. I didn't think about this. That, that I've also found very freeing, like the ability to, like, or the willingness to say, huh, I totally did not mean that. The way are, are you telling me, Jordan, that I need to admit that I'm human? Yeah. I, it's the worst, isn't it? <laughs> it's so hard. The worst. Well, because also, so my toddler's been getting me up in the middle of the night, um, and I love your blog post about that. Uh, oh, my God. It was so funny. Wait, what's the – oh, it's the get your life back bedtime routine. So oh, I'm going to oh. start doing that tonight. Uh, anyway, because that's when my brain won't shut off, right? It's like the middle of the night um, right. after my daughter gets me up. Because when you wake up to someone screaming in your house, you go into flight or fight, and then it's really hard to to settle down again. Um, and so that's when like what I call the tribunal of assholes start getting in my head and um, – and then I'm like, I should quit the podcast because I have nothing worth saying. My voice is annoying. Every question is just one long tangent, like this one right now, like blah, blah, blah. Like, and then I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's a great day. Like, how do you not get to you? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, for I think that um, in some ways uh, my partnership with Aaron like made me strangely more willing to go there. And like I, I – um, you know, in the months since I've met her, I've written about things like, you know, sexual assaults. And I've written about things like, um, eating disorders, like things that I never would have touched years ago. Um, never, because I would have been too afraid that someone would say something to me that I actually thought about myself. Mm. How did Aaron help you tackle these more complicated subjects or help give you the courage to do that? Well, I just personally found Aaron's writing so, um, her writing and her illustrations so funny and such this amazing mix of humor and empathy. And she was just like brave in this way that I really wanted to be. And I think, um, I, th I think she would probably say that part of that was she didn't have like, um, when she was blogging, like she, it was more of a personal blog. So it wasn't like she was dealing with, um, you know, throngs of creeps, but she, but it was really exciting to watch how someone could be that brave when they weren't living under this like specter of fear of like, what will people say? And, um, writing this book, the, the big fat activity book for pregnant people writing that with Aaron, it was like, I got to say all the stuff that I really wanted to say about pregnancy because it's not about me and it's not about Aaron. It's not, this book is not about us. The book is about all pregnant people everywhere. And it's sort of this like rallying cry to, um, you know, shut out all the, the mommy policing and right. just like laugh at the ridiculousness of, um, you know, pushing a watermelon through your vagina because that's ridiculous. This is the wrong time to say that to you. I think <laughs> you're writing an article right now where that is one of the things you don't say to a pregnant person. Yeah, I, I love that list you guys have. Like, make a list of what are the offensive people thing of things people have said to you. Last week I was at Soul Cycle, and this woman she was probably in her late forties, and she looked kind of grumpy. And I didn't say anything to her. She asked me, "We're like sitting bike next to bike," and she goes, "When are you having your baby?" <laughs> and I go, "July," and she goes, "You're big." Oh, 
And I took out my oh. earplugs. I was like, did I mishear that? And then she goes, is this your first or second child? And I go, this is my second. And she goes, that's why. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much. And then our our soul cycle instructor, David Zint, who I love. And like this is like my church, which is so cheesy to say. Um, but I just love him. And he's always shouting at us to like, you know, cheer on the rider next to you. Like I just didn't have it in me. I just left her in the dust. (laughs) Forget it. Um, And the AC wasn't really working, so I took off my shirt and I was like, "She can see my big belly while I just sweat my face off on this bike." But I was so offended, and I was like, "How does this happen to moms every day? That people want to share or comment on our measurements? It's crazy pants." It is. And it's like you're, you, when you're pregnant, you're supposed to be all perfect and you're supposed to be organic and doing everything just perfectly and drinking the things you're supposed to drink. And, and nobody feels like they can live up to that. And so mm-hmm. we, we just sort of wanted to put it out there and be like, yeah, we're all just a mess. We're a mess. <laughs> you're especially a mess when you're pregnant because you can't sleep because you're sleeping on a beach ball. You like have to be rolled to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, which, by the way, you have to be rolled often because it's like you're constantly peeing. Um, do you guys have anything fun planned for Easter? Um, what we have planned for Easter, I would call less fun than, um, you know, just trying to keep our children alive. Because have you ever been to an Easter egg hunt? Yes, actually. We're going to a very fancy <laughs> Easter party in Brentwood where they have like a petting zoo. <laughs> it's going to be so Hollywood. <laughs> That is very wait. Hollywood. Um, I just think, you know, there's bruisers at these Easter egg hunts. Yeah. And they're just, I just have to like block my children and <laughs> just make sure they get one egg. No, just it's one. true. My daughter, who's only three and a half, she'll be one of the aggressive ones for sure. <laughs> Girl, that's what I like to hear. Um, and everyone else, oh God. So when you go check out um, Ram Shackle Glam, the lifestyle blog, there it was a really great uh, blog post that I'm still giggling about called peep she um and i know this is coming out right after easter so by the way peeps will be like half off and it's about yep. instead of sushi it's sushi with peeps and these pictures are just so funny i mean it's kind of like the dumbest cutest best thing i've ever seen i literally um it popped up on my facebook like a memories apparently a friend of mine mentioned that this existed like six years ago and it popped up and i was like oh my god I have to make these right now. <laughs> I ran to the store and within 20 minutes, I was slicing heads off peeps. And let me tell you, if you want some stress relief, you slice some heads off peeps. You got to do it, guys, because it's – but it's like really – yeah, it's super demented and so cute. So everyone check that out. Also, obviously, order the Big Fat Activity Book for Pregnant People. And check out Jordan's Lifestyle blog, Ramshackle Glam. Uh, and uh, next week we'll be hearing from your business partner and collaborator, Aaron. So, everybody, uh, join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Atomic Moms. And don't forget to subscribe and write a review on iTunes. Just go to iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. When you write a review, uh, it helps other moms find us because of the rankings. So thank you so much for coming on, Jordan. Really appreciate it. That was really fun. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms.